two, everybody. Here we are for for season. I don't know. Season two? three? No. Is this season two? Season two. What? Because we episode one. <laughs> we can't even <laughs> figure out the episodes, <laughs> and now we can't figure out the season series. It's like Yellowstone. Season two, episode one. There was, a, there was a cliffhanger at the end of last year as to what everybody was going to get for Christmas. And you guys, everybody should be aware before we hit record, Luke said that he didn't get anything for Christmas and you were really sad. I was. Well, because <laughs> I didn't want to talk about this. So why would I talk about something I didn't get? But so, I, 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 I should say I got Jerry Marzullo socks. You did? Yes. I got a nice shirt from our IFF Vice President, Mark Sanders. That was very nice. I got a nice fire department shirt from President Sullivan. Okay. So I guess I did all right. But you did okay. My wife and I decided that the kids get all the gifts. Right. So we, you don't matter. We spend, no one cares about we, you. We spent the money on the kids. So Just so that everybody is aware, every executive board, so the president, vice president, the district VPs, I sent Jerry Morzillo socks with my face on it. And, and a briefcase. And Were you holding the briefcase? I know. I didn't. I should have done the, the ledge. Right. I didn't. Do you, it's got to stop somewhere. I don't know. You know, how many socks do you... Next you can, year, though, I have an idea, and that's going to be The line was drawn. The line was drawn. You can send them guys uh, underwear with your face <laughs> on it. That honest to God, you... Because that was my idea. I'm sure it was. <laughs> that's my idea. So everybody knows that at Christmas of 22, everybody associated with the firefighters, no pun intended, is going to get Jerry Marzullo underwear. Boxers? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't decided yet. So we'll see. But anyway, Christmas is now behind us. We've got you've got socks to keep you warm. Wear them to your most important meeting of the year. And here we are in January of twenty two. And the last day. January thirty one in Chicago. Is yeah, January thirty one. We don't what episode number so we are on season two, episode, episode one, one of the AFFI, of the AFFI podcast. AFFI. With us, the ever steady DJ Silent Hype, the engineer. Talk she's to amazing. Me. Check her out wherever you can check DJs out because she's awesome. Spinning the tunes. Chuck, you have your ever ready supply of glow sticks. Yep. You have them all the time. It's yep. kind of weird. You're sitting in a meeting with your glow sticks. I don't oh, know if how appropriate that is, but whatever. And then here like we go. It. I like so, it. All right, let's dive into the wonderful world of 2022. I think, uh, Chuck, you were going to kind of recap the last quarter of 21 for us. I was, yes, because I think the last time we met was around Thanksgiving. Perhaps. A little bit after Talk Turkey Day? A little, little after Thanksgiving. I, I just wanted to provide just a very quick um, recap of all things AFFI. We started the month of December. Uh, we participated in Kent Law, the I don't even know what they call that. The public safety public sector, public public sector. sector law conference. Right. Yeah. So now you were on a panel. I was. And then I participated in a panel with Margaret and uh, Ben Gert and you Carl did the firefighter Addison. forum. Correct. I did the uh, labor relations board. All the right. cases. Yeah. Right. And uh, two of the topics that we discussed were uh, the placebo case that you're going to delve into soon yeah uh that you argued in front of the illinois supreme court and we also talked about our house bill 220 that uh, jeff and steve are going to maybe talk about yeah uh in a few minutes um th those were the two big ones uh we also unfortunately um lost two brothers in the line of duty that was lieutenant garrett ramos from sterling 
and firefighter Michon Plummer from Chicago. Um, both of those members passed away in the line of duty and, and we participated uh, in the honor guard and, and honored them as they so deserved. Uh, our data department, uh, headed by Sean Gillis, conducted a mini webinar of sorts talking about CPI yes. and how that is uh, mixed into collective bargaining. Uh, we also identified January 2022 as Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, as we all know, cancer has become very prevalent in the fire service. Uh, so our executive board uh, made a motion, passed a motion at our executive board that uh, January 2022 is Cancer Awareness Month. And our Kurt Snow, our director of communications, has been uh, blasting out information about you know how to better take care of yourself. Um, on the job. We also, uh, over the last year, if you guys will recall, we, during COVID, we actually didn't spend as much money uh, simply because we weren't traveling anywhere or we didn't conduct a few seminars because of COVID. And we created a visionary committee about a year ago. And, <clears throat> excuse me, some of that money was utilized to um, better our facility in Springfield. And as we speak, a house, we purchased a house. It's, uh, what direction is that? Southwest. In the Southwest, if any of you have been to the AFFI, there's a yellow house. We actually purchased that house for about $36,000. Um, our Springfield brothers at Local 37 used it for a couple weeks of training. And then it was demolished actually yesterday. It was, uh, <laughs> Down to the ground. By Springfield? <laughs> All right. All right. So we're going to utilize that as a um, more parking because downstairs, as we speak, we're actually creating a classroom on the south side. If, again, those that have been to the AFFI, uh, our boardroom is down there. If you go down the stairs and to the left, down the stairs and to the right was just empty, just full of garbage, not garbage, just storage. Empty beer cans. Right, and, right. Yeah. So um, we are creating a classroom down there. And uh, so we're going to have more parking and a, a usable classroom for maybe 50 to 100 individuals. It's astonishing how little parking there is in Springfield. You can drive around and around and around until you Correct. find something. It's amazing. Correct. Uh, we also, a number of us, 98 to be exact, AFFI members went to Orlando earlier this month for IFF ALTS, the Affiliate Leadership Training, and uh, really got a lot of good information out of that. So we're 98 from Illinois? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I think we had the Florida had the most, obviously, because it was in Florida. And then I think Washington had 111. Washington members. State? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and then us with 98. We had Joe Sinorski's calling me right now. Oh, Good. It's from the bar. Want to get him on? Joey. Um, Joe, say something. And Luke is probably going to discuss this a little bit further, but our board decided that uh, it would be wise for us to hire an intern this semester. And she's going to help us organize our uh, historical documents and, and artifacts. And lastly, uh, last weekend, I believe, we participated in the annual AFFI Honor Guard Convention and Induction Ceremony. Where was that? That was in the Twin Cities of Bloomington, Normal. No, anything but. Yes. How is Coburn's mustache? It's, it's is it amazing? It's 
good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so just, it's so overpowering and manly. It's insane. He's special. He's a special, special. You know what you just it's missed? Commander though? Coburn. Commander Coburn. Yeah. Do you, you know what you just missed? Hmm. You mentioned Washington State, which somehow made me think of California. But our <laughs> okay. rivalry with California and the media awards. Oh. You blew it, Chuck. Damn you it. blew it. Tell them. Tell the world. Tell Just Belgium. So tell Belgium. <laughs> tell, tell Belgium and Portugal and Pakistan that we were second place. I'm sure they cheated, California. You know what you did. Because I don't know how you could top the magic that is the Associate Firefighters podcast. But what was it? So nationwide, this podcast came in second place? In the international. So Canada. And Great Britain. Do we have locals well, in Great Britain? It was Britain? the IFF not, Media not Awards. They're trying to. Yeah. Oh, I thought we're trying to organize. Okay, that's right. what it is. So it was the international. I don't know why England wouldn't want to be yeah. a part of us. The International Association of Firefighters Annual Media Awards, which covers the United States, Canada, and the territories. And the territories. Saskatchewan. The, the AFFI podcast came in second place. Second which place. Is pretty impressive. Yeah. Really Cal- impressive. And we lost to California's podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, think it's California. It's not. They have an, an inexhaustible supply of stuff to talk about. I agree. I don't know what we, what did we win? We Glory? We got a t-shirt and uh, we received a $250 check that we are presenting to Chicago's Bravest Stories for their assistance in getting this podcast out there. Yeah. And we got mentioned in the IFF Quarterly Magazine. That's so awesome. Now we have goals, right? We're winners. We well, well, we have a goal now. We're going to be number one. We are coming for you, California. Definitely. They do way less episodes than us, too. Way less. We do you have, think it's just because it's California, so they were like... Well, I think it's because we can't count. We don't have it right. So numbers out there, but <laughs> we have far. Yeah, Chuck's, Chuck's keeping Chuck this on was, the rails. Chuck but was correct. Yeah, they. Where do we hang this? Do we hang it in here or do we hang it in the AFFI office? I think you hang that in the AFFI office. Okay. Yeah, we're supposed to have uh, some type of award coming. So number two, like, do we get to meet anybody? Like, do we? Have, is there like a presentation or something for this? Or we just? No, no, I don't. We just send it in the mail. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> we got second place. There's your property tax bill. You know what I mean? A couple newspapers. What is the most popular podcast out there? I, I don't know. If you had to name one right now, popular podcast. Not not firefighter, just in just general. In general? In general? Yeah. I mean, the New York Times Daily is a really good one. That's a pretty popular one. It's the news of the day. We're better than those guys, too. I'm not, I'm not even sure. Yeah. Joe Rogan's getting a lot of play Cereal. lately. Yeah. Right. yeah. Maybe He's, we should get on Spotify. Yeah. You should hire a fact checker too, but uh, it, it is it is what it is. But we did get the AFF or the IAFF Media Award. I was very proud of that. And again, of course, thank you, right? Thank good. you to Chicago's Bravest Podcast for uh, you know letting us share the space, and and they're always wonderful to us, and and we appreciate working with them. So absolutely, so yeah. We, we that, would not be there without them. We would yes, not be no, there. Doubt, no doubt no, about no it. No doubt. So that's kind of a recap, and I, I kind of you know mentioned a couple of items that I, Jerry, if you want to. Start talking about placebo. Well, there were two cases that came down uh, regarding placebo that the courts should be aware of, or that our members should be aware of that the courts came down with. The first was a case at the end of December uh, called Barry versus City of Chicago. People should be aware of that. 
Um, and in that case, I'm just going to kind of hit the highlights, but nine, I think it was eight or nine Chicago firefighters were notified by uh, the city of Chicago that since they were Medicare eligible, and, and again, I'm very generally speaking, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with the details here, but since, basically since they were Medicare eligible, that uh, the city was going to, you know, that, that's health insurance available from another source. And they uh, were no longer going to be on the city insurance regarding placebo. Long story short, the first district appellate court in Illinois agreed with the city of Chicago. So, look, uh, this built off of a case back from, I think it was 2015 or 2016, called Pyle versus Granite City. Um, and what our members need to know and be aware of is, look, at the end of the day, the law, where we're at with the case law here regarding the the language of placebo is that when you become Medicare eligible, you need to apply for Medicare because what Pyle and what this Barry case have said is that that insurance from the municipality, that placebo insurance municipality is now a supplemental benefit not required. And that basic health insurance plan is that health insurance available from another source, which is Medicare. So, I know there are timelines for applying for Medicare. There are certain you know, hoops you have to jump through, et cetera. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, you need to make sure that if you are on placebo or if you know anybody who is, as they are approaching Medicare age el eligibility, uh, Medicare eligibility, excuse me, that they do apply. Hey, and then real quick, just to clarify it. So we do have older members, retired members that went out on placebo. Right. Prior to 1986, a majority of those retirees did not, when they were on the job, did not pay into Medicare. So Correct. they would still be eligible for the placebo be benefit. Because Correct. the way the placebo statute reads is that it's insurance available from another source. Because of their uh, time on the job and what was available to them, Medicare is not available. It's not insurance available from another source. So those guys are still in the club. Uh, but for anybody else who's gone out... Uh, you need to, to make sure that you don't blow any deadlines or timelines in the uh, Byzantian world of, of Medicare bureaucracy. Excuse me, I've come in my mouth. Uh, and make sure that you apply. So that is Barry versus City of Chicago, and you can contact anybody at AFFI or shoot me an email or something if you have any follow-up questions to that, but you should be aware. The second issue, again, which was really cool for uh, not only Peoria, Local 50, but for the Associated Firefighters who... Uh, supported, of course, as they would, and uh, helped to pick up the fight, which is the Peoria Paseba case. So I think that was January 21. Um, everybody in the Associated Firefighters membership should be aware that in a 7 to nothing unanimous decision, the Illinois Supreme Court uh, sided with the Peoria firefighters and found that the city of Peoria Paseba statute, which would have... Um, if not completely eliminated, uh, placebo benefits would have severely reduced placebo benefits for about 98% of us. Um, with, that was found an improper use of home rule authority, and that ordinance was struck down and Local 50 prevailed. And that was really cool um, because not only is it for all of us, but um, I think there's probably about 50,000 maybe police, fire, correctional workers out there that are covered under this statute in this 
ruling codified that line of duty disability is catastrophically uh, injured and that the four ways in which you would qualify for firefighters responding what's reasonably believed to be an emergency uh, means just that. And that was really, really good. Um, I was honored to argue that case. And um, you know, I have to tell you, it's not easy getting up there. Um, uh, Esther Seitz, who is the attorney for Hinshaw and Culbertson um, uh, for the city of Peoria, you know, we all have our clients to represent, and she did the best job she could with a, I think, uphill position. Um, so, you know, it, regardless of who you're representing, it's not easy to be up there and have some Supreme Court justice eight feet from you staring at you, and you're praying that they don't ask you too many questions. So, but uh, in the end, the local prevailed as they should have, and that was a great uh, case for all of us. Yeah, Jerry, thanks for the hard work on that. Uh, Local 50 for taking that fight on. Uh, it's obviously a great ruling in our favor, and I'm sure it won't be the end of that, though. Uh, I, municipalities continue to push bills and try to attack placebo, as they always have. And um, Yeah, there, you know. there'll be future cases. You can see where it's signed, and you can see in the Barry case where there might be some future some some litigation but i am hoping though that the peoria case you know as far as maybe arguing around the edges for certain things um that i think this berry case set forth a lot of issues with what insurance means and availability from another source peoria where the statute means what the statute means so hopefully this slows down a little bit uh but we'll we'll see I'm, i you can see i think where there's gonna be a couple cases in the future but We'll see what happens. So, yeah, those were two pretty awesome cases. Um, Mattoon, by the way. Who represented the fire truck? I can't remember who had, uh, in Barry versus Chicago, I can't remember the attorneys who represented the plaintiffs in that case. I wonder if they're going to appeal that. I don't know if they're going to appeal uh, or not. I can look it up because that appeal would be due. I'm sure they will file a PLA on it, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I can actually look that up and I will report back to the group. Uh, but good question. Um, but yeah, and also in uh, Mattoon or Mattoon, as they say it down there towards the insurance. end of the year, insurance, we talked about that. It's horrifying. But Mattoon, uh, again, you know, Matt Pierce, Margaret, et cetera, did a very good job uh, uh, on that, getting a ruling on the Substitutes Act. But that's been out, you know, as well. But that was, that was a pretty good case, too. So hard at work representing the thousands of deserving members of the Associated Fire. And again, just to be clear, I don't know if you can hear it. Just to be clear, you you're, hear your you're suggesting as an attorney that a member that is 64 years old on placebo today apply for Medicare. Yes. So I might. It's I know, one thing to be eligible. Yes. What if you don't apply? It, it, well, here's the thing. If you don't apply, what Barry seems to suggest is you have problems. Um, because you can apply. So I always said, I look like I'm 65. I have a liver of a 65-year-old, but I'm not sure of all of the ins and outs of the application process. What I do know, though, is, is that in the time frame leading up to you turning 65, there are certain things you have to do to be timely and avoid penalties, et cetera, with Medicare. I think that anybody listening to this should reach out either if they are uh, if this applies to them, or if this case uh, you know applies to somebody that they know that they do reach out to them um, because what we don't want to happen 
is somebody, you know, at 65 years old gets a letter from the city saying, oh, here's this case, by the way, you're done. So people need to be proactive and make sure that they are covered in the application process, whatever that looks like. I do know, I mean, Chuck, you, I mean, you're timeless. You look like you're 25, but I, so you're not up there either. But I do know that I, I think about a year before, or within yeah, so many months before you have to apply and I, I don't know. So before take heed and govern thyself accordingly. All right, I wanted to throw a couple things before we get to our special guests that we have in the studio today. Do you feel like, like look at all the notes and things that they have written down? Like these two are so professional, and we are not professional. They probably should do the podcast. It, that is like I they, mean, they should be here the whole time and do these the podcast, guys, not us. They're trading strategies back and forth right now, and the two of us are like just tap dancing up here, totally, <laughs> totally winging it. <laughs> <laughs> like geriated arbitration, the king of wing. <laughs> somehow, Fuck it, let's see what happens. <laughs> somehow, he got the Supreme Court to rule in I our did, favor. I did. I ain't even planned for it. Yeah. I, just, I just walked up there. I told a couple jokes, dropped the mic, and we got a seven to nothing ruling. It, it was fantastic. <laughs> so, I just want to make our members aware of a couple upcoming events, and let's get weird. one's really important for these guys as they start to speak. So we have our first ever leadership development conference. Boom. That is going to be February 22nd and 23rd yes. in Rosemont at the Crown Plaza Hotel and Conference Center. We plan to run a local union administration track, uh, multiple classes on that side for our executive boards to better educate themselves to support their locals and their members. And then we are running a stewards seminar in conjunction with this conference That'll be a track that local stewards can uh, take. And there has not been a steward seminar since 2014. Oh, wow. So it's, it's been a while. Yeah, Chicago Local 2 always ran it. They are going to help support this event. And uh, we're looking forward to putting that on here later in February. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up through the AFFI webpage. And then most importantly, and it's going to coincide with this uh, podcast here, the AFFI Legislative Conference will be in Springfield at the Bank of Springfield Center, March 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. So 23, 24. 24. So, yeah, we're getting back in the swing of things with events uh, here this spring. Conventions later in the year in June in Peoria, uh, the 23rd through the 25th, I think, if I remember right. Uh, so watch out for that, too, as well. But... Um, I don't want to hold our guests up any longer, Jerry, but we figured it'd be good to get our ledge team in here to talk about the 102nd General Assembly, the success we've had, what they're looking to do this spring. Another important part, and we've talked about it a lot on our podcast, being engaged with our elected officials. So they're going to kind of dive into that with you. Man, I got a couple things to talk about. I am disappointed, though, that you put the dates out on the podcast, because as you know, the aliens at Celtic Mist are now going to know that we're going to be down there and kidnap all of us. So I feel like you just gave them. But I I don't know. I haven't seen them listening. We get the we get the stats, and there has been no... Have you met someone from Belgium? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Maybe that's who they are. Maybe they are the aliens. By the way, Associated Firefighters members, we know that it's your, like creepy need to be under the radar. What is that? VPNs or whatever where it pings off of? Yeah, that's probably what the reality yeah, is. Yeah, it's just a lot funnier to say it's from Belgium. So, there you go. Um, 
All right. So, yes, uh, introduce yourselves for the record today, legends. Let's do this. I guess I'll go. Yeah. Uh, my name is Steve Shetsky. I'm the Northern District Legislative Representative. Get weird. <laughs> uh, my name is Jeff Maher. I'm the Central District Legislative Representative. I'm a firefighter in the city of Galesburg. And the uh, Southern District uh, Legislative Representative is Richard Martin, retired out of Murfreesboro. The fourth and final member of our team is President Chuck Sullivan. All right. So what are we here to discuss today? Well, the very first thing that I think we need to let everybody know is we already secured the late closure of the Celtic Mist <laughs> for the legislative conference. <laughs> They'll be open until three for us. Ordinance? Yep. Yeah. 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 So I guess we can start with just a recap of the bills that we were able to get passed through the General Assembly in 2021 and signed by the governor. If you want to start with that. Yes. Why don't we do that? So what, did, uh, what have we accomplished and where are we going from here? Sure. So if you guys recall from the last time we were here, uh, we identified the bills that we were looking to move and we're happy to report that just about all of them were successful. The first one was House Bill 202, which included Chicago Local 2 members in the Labor History Bill that was passed in the previous General Assembly that requires all members going through the academy to learn about labor history, specifically firefighter history. And it was you know, only just that the Local 2 members that were at the forefront of the labor movement in general, oh, let yeah. alone the fire service, uh, should, should hear about what their, their members did prior to their arrival. So we were ha we are happy to report that that bill passed and was signed by the governor. So now every academy, whether it be city or you know Nipsta or you know Romeoville, whatever, you have to have. I think it's is it an how long? What is it? Is it an hour? Of, the two hours. The bill doesn't identify the length of time that has to be. It just has to be in there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And, and Luke with the Labor History Committee is providing that that curriculum. Yeah, they're kind of cr they're creating the whole curriculum for this. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so back in the 101st General Assembly, House Bill 2215 was passed, which required this for all the firefighters throughout the state, all the full-time firefighters. Awesome. And this bill, House Bill 202, includes Chicago as well. Okay. Another bill that we were able to get passed was House Bill 351. This had to do with secondary employment. Uh, Again, in the 101st, Senate Bill 37 was passed, which required a secondary employer to report any injuries, illnesses, or exposures that they received in their secondary departments to the primary Article Four pension fund. And I think hours work, too, as well, correct? As well as hours worked, exactly. You got it. So what House Bill 351 does is it also requires that same report to be sent to the Department of Insurance. So there's a, you know, a central clearinghouse for that information to be stored. And the Department of Insurance is, has a public pension division that already stores a multitude of information from our Article Four members. So it was you know, only right to have them be the one to do that. Yeah, makes sense. Another one that was signed into law was House Bill 381. This had to do with reciprocity for our members that used to be police officers, so Article Three to Article Four. And unlike previous windows that we've been able to pass in previous years. This one allows up to eight years to be purchased from your police time. And I was, I was still getting quite, just so everybody is aware, it's, it's, it wasn't, the, the bill that you guys worked on that was previous was the same municipality, right? So Berwyn Police to Berwyn Fire. This was any police to your fire department, correct? You got it, yeah. exactly. And, you know, 
This seems like a pretty common sense bill that shouldn't be too much of a heavy lift, but anything with the word pension in it makes it extremely oh, yeah. complicated and difficult, and nobody wants to even yes. start the conversation. Run so, away! Yeah, you're cornering people in the Capitol. No, listen, I promise this will just take a second. Yes. So uh, there's a re, uh, representative that has historically called himself the pension protector, and, you know, he, he certainly made us earn this one. You know, we, we had a lot of spreadsheets. We played the what-if game a million. Graphs. Yeah, exactly. You know, he was concerned that if... A police officer in southern Illinois decided to become a firefighter in northern Illinois that the wage difference would be catastrophic on the pension fund. So we broke it down by year on exactly how much that would look like. And police officers actually contribute slightly higher than... 9.91%. Uh, exactly. So, so we broke down real salaries from the south and real salaries from the north and had to, had to show how this would be minimal. And if you looked at the amount of years that you could retire, quote-unquote, early from the northern department, that that would be a, a significant savings to the pension fund as well. So yeah. we're happy to report that that passed, and the governor signed it. Well, that had to be super fun and riveting to go through those charts and graphs and markers and arrows and underlines. I have a secret obsession with spreadsheets, so <laughs> I was happy to do it. <laughs> Jeff was happy to uh, double-check, make sure I didn't mess anything up. <laughs> So that's what you're doing at 2 in the morning in the basement. <laughs> exactly. Us and the aliens. What's yeah, next? So, uh, still looking at what we were doing in the first half of the 102nd. We were looking at uh, House Bill 809, known as the JLMC bill. All that did was allow us to continue the pursuit of establishing that statewide hiring list without the mandate of having a finite timeline. So it allows the JLMC to keep doing that good work, just um, not to be in violation of the law by not meeting um, certain goals and deadlines. So this was just an extension of, of time? Yeah, uh, of sorts. There was a variety of issues when we were looking at establishing the process. Um, we had secured an agreement with a company that no longer exists. So we kind of had to start over from, ze from ground zero, uh, square one, and there was no, there was no other company that, was, that could satisfactorily do the work that we were trying to accomplish in creating a statewide list that would hold up against the litigation and judicial scrutiny that it ultimately is going to have to yes. go through. So um, we just removed those, those barriers that were the timelines, and we're going to continue to pursue that. Just to stop, the, the statewide, and I know Chuck is, is, is working in the background here, but the statewide hiring list is, just so everybody is aware that for those of you listening out in Radio Land, there is a hiring, there are hiring challenges statewide. Um, so if you are out there thinking that it's just your local that's down two guys and trying to hire three guys, you know, whatever, it, it is not. So I know that we're cognizant of it. I know that I've personally had conversations with both, you know, Chuck and Luke and members of the executive board, et cetera, regarding uh, ways to do this. But at the end of the day, to be a competent, certified professional to provide the level of service that we do, um, you know, you, 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 you can't just walk in off the street and, and do that, right? So uh, I know that there's the statewide hiring, which other states do, right, Jeff? I know there are other states out there that do a statewide hiring, and I know you guys are looking Correct. into it to get the ball rolling so that um, it might be a central 
repository of members. Yeah, and since I didn't since I didn't touch on it, the JLMC is the Joint Labor Management Committee, and our two representatives on that statewide committee is Chuck Sullivan and Luke Howison. Yeah, uh, and they do a great job. So we look forward to watching them continue to do that work. Um, and again, if anyone has any questions over any of the things that we're talking about, feel free to get a hold of your legislative representative cool. or district VP. Uh, House Bill <clears throat> 2568, the Paseba Health Insurance Bill. More placebo. More placebo. It it's never so ends. It's so exciting. It never ends. Uh, what we were trying to accomplish with this one was just establishing a baseline insurance. The problem that we were seeing is insure, in, employers were creating ad hoc insurance plans that would technically meet the letter of the law and statute, but it was virtually a useless plan for the individuals that were relying yeah. on it for healthcare purposes. So all this does is says that the insurance afforded to placebo recipients has to be one that's readily, readily available to right. all other employees and in absence of those being codified in the bargaining unit that they're negotiated. So what you're saying is, and this is a weird concept, that the insurance that you've bargained for and that you were on for years, if God forbid you, in, in, excuse me, for instance, you know, fall through a roof and catastrophically hurt yourself, you shouldn't be put on the $1 million deductible plan where, you know, the, the, the medication coverage is, you know, $5,000 a month. Is it's a wild correct? concept. Yeah, but, it's a, uh, we, how you're strange. Following, you're, you're picking up what I'm putting down. How you got strange it. is that that you, <laughs> you have to it. go to the legislature and say, can a guy who has injured himself in service of the municipality possibly maybe stay on the insurance that all of his brothers and sisters are currently on? How weird is that? And what a great use of your time in the state legislature. Okay, moving on. Yeah, uh, House Bill 3662, that just added MRSA uh, to the list of presumptive illnesses and diseases. Um, all that means is that if you were to contract MRSA, it is causally presumed that you contracted that illness in the line of doing your job as a firefighter paramedic, you firefighter should, EMT. MRSA should be on there just because it sounds so nasty, <laughs> right? It's presumptive like MRSA. Right? <laughs> Jeff, what's MRSA stand for? Oh, um, bad MRSA. stuff. Methicillin resistant Staphylococcus aureus. Boom. I just Googled it. Oh, you Googled Yeah, because there's no goddamn way that you knew. You Googled that before. Did you guys plan that out before? He did not Google that. And he hearing him it? say that in committee when he's testifying was the most amazing thing I heard in 2021. <laughs> you should have gotten a pair of my socks. You deserve that. <laughs> Agree. Should have. Yes. But didn't, for the record. <laughs> Do you know why? Because I, there's no way I'm giving Mike Loretto a pair of my socks because he doesn't deserve it. Mm, that makes so at sense. the end of the day, it had to stop somewhere. I get that. Because he's never going to get a pair of my socks with my face yeah, on it. It's not going to happen. No, I'm not. I'm just saying I'm not. Let's just move on. Okay. <laughs> Next bill that was signed into law by the governor last year was Senate Bill 167. So this is actually a, potentially a tier two fix or a clarification, if you will. As we previously talked about uh, reciprocity in 381, House Bill 381, where you, you can move time that you previously earned from one article to another. Uh, it's always been the belief with the AFI that that extended to tier two members as well. Right. Uh, when tier two was created in 2010 and enacted in 2011. It was the belief at that time that tier two members still have that ability. Unfortunately, there was some question, question if, if that was how it was stated in law. So we went back 
and made sure it was crystal clear that tier two members have the right for reciprocity, just like tier one members. Right. So that's what Senate Bill 167 and, does. And again, this was just codifying what we believed all along was the case. Exactly. Basically in practice, we're practicing, but just to kind of codify it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Some more common sense, do the right thing stuff. Yep. And then we also had Senate Bill 693, which actually did a couple things. One, it allows our members, if directed by their medical director and they, the patient meets certain criteria, to be transported to an appropriate uh, mental or behavioral health facility as opposed to just dumping them in the ER. Right. So that was signed into law. And a part of that also allows our members to transport, again, if their medical director allows based off of patient criteria, to transport to the closest urgent or emergent care uh, facility, not just emergency room. Yes. Yeah, and uh, the big takeaway with 693 for mm -hmm. me, Senate Bill 693, was there was some angst about people, okay, now, well, now we have to, you know, what if there's not a mental health facility in our jurisdiction? Are we going to have to do these things? And that was a point that we really tried to drive home when we we're having conversations with our locals is that it's, it's what you determine with your medical director. Right. So you have that autonomy as you do with nearly everything else that that um, relates to individual locals. So that was a big a big takeaway for people to know. Right, because it's not a necessary. It's whether or not the medical director still finds that it makes sense within his authority, Correct. et cetera. Absolutely. Okay. Can you say the name behind MRSA one more time for all of us? Methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. You know why I did Boom. that? Because I, I just wanted to make sure that he didn't like Google it one time and remembered it one time. Like he actually remembers that. That's a thing. That's. Yep. You're a weirdo. That's why he was elected. That's why he was elected. <laughs> so, so this was all stuff, again, that was signed into. That was law. signed into law in 2021 by the governor. Yes. Uh, a couple other ones that were signed into law. This one technically was in 2020 when the governor tried by executive order to include firefighters as well as all essential workers in the COVID presumption. Yes. So that was another bill that was attempted, I should say. But uh, there was some belief at the time that the governor might be exceeding his authority. So then they made it a uh, state statute. And House Bill 782 is what initially created firefighters in Tier 1A for the uh, COVID presumption. Yes. And then... That was extended again by another bill, House Bill 4276, and that was in 2021 at the very beginning in the lame duck session. Because that extended out per, for presumption to June 30th or something? You got it, yep. Yeah, until June 30th of last year. Yep. And, and that first one, House Bill 782, also uh, extended PETA benefits and, and the timeline for getting your rehab done and all that stuff when COVID had shut everything down. So it extended that as well. Yes. So those are the bills that were signed into law by, oop, those were the those were the bills that were passed. Thanks, Jeff, for that catch. Uh, prior to the General Assembly recessing on May 31st. Okay. Then we went back into veto session for two weeks in October of 2021, and during that time, we were finally able to pull over the finish line House Bill 220, which has been the big one. Has been uh, called around the. Firehouse Kitchen Table, the supervisor bill, but or <laughs> the, the battalion, chief the battalion bill. chief's bill. Yeah. But it, it better identifies the job functions of a supervisor and identifies that just because of your potentially arbitrary title shouldn't exclude you from the ability to collectively bargain. Well, single company officer versus multi-company officer as, as well. So that's one part of it. 
So Jeff is a captain in Galesburg. I'm yeah. a lieutenant and, in Lincolnshire. And a damn good one. He is. Thanks. Uh, the Triple Nichols. Very lucky to have him. Yes. Uh, so Jeff's a captain. I'm a lieutenant, but we both do the same job. We both sit in the front right seat of a fire piece, and he probably goes to 10 times more fires than I do, but we still, yeah. on paper, do the same job. And Jeff's a hero. Also true. Yeah. But that shouldn't exclude either one of us from the ability to collectively bargain based off of our title. One, one city or municipality or fire district calls it one thing. Again, we don't have uniform rank structure throughout the fire service or in Illinois, so that, again, shouldn't exclude us. Correct. But the bill also states that a company officer might be in charge of a single company, multiple companies, or an entire shift. Right. Because previous case law was a single company is what the original language was found to have meant uh, under the Labor Relations Act. So this then expands that to a multi-company officer as well. Correct. Right. And just to be clear, there is still a multi-part test that determines what a supervisor is. And this bill does not take that test out of the equation. Correct. So we would highly encourage any local or executive board that is looking to get their quote-unquote battalion chiefs in to contact their vice president and figure out if this works for, for them and if this meets the letter of the law and the intent so we don't have any bad decisions right out of the gate. Right. I, I think, so just to stop for a second, because I, I have, when this happened, I had so many locals uh, contact me because there was a little bit, of, not misinformation, but just a misunderstanding out there that this was, you know, automatic, oh yeah, you're in, sign cards, and you just file and life is good. That is not the case. What it does is, by statute, allows you the foot in the door with that definition of multi-company officer, et cetera. But that test as to whether or not you are a supervisor truly within the meaning of the act or not still holds, and that is the analysis that has to be done. Do I have that correct? You got it. Yes. Yeah, and we're not, <clears throat> we're not alone here. We're not the only profession in Illinois where employers are trying to limit access to bargaining units. Sure. Um, that that happens everywhere, and there's there's uh, a couple other bills, House Bill forty nine sixty, and Senate Bill thirty seven seventy three, that are taking a different approach. They're describing the job functions of individuals right. that are in the bargaining unit, and that attempt is saying that you cannot exclude anyone that participates in these job functions. Instead of a, instead of providing exclusionary criteria for supervisors, it's saying what the people in the unit. Act, well, what I know, because one of those that you just described was was signed where you actually have to go realistically. I think we're talking about the same thing here. Realistically, what their job duty and responsibility is, not just what's written on the piece of paper. Correct. And that is a big one because uh, I would challenge anybody out there to go look at their job duties and responsibilities and see the last time that they were updated. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, like 1998 sure. for some of these, right? Mm -hmm. So Definitely. what is your realistic, what you do every day, job duties and responsibilities, as opposed to what's on a piece of paper? And especially in smaller departments, uh, you know, certainly in West Central Illinois, where I work, you get farther south in the state. There's a lot of crossover between the uh, senior officer positions in the bargaining unit and the, the first level of the management positions, Absolutely. true supervisor positions. There's a lot of crossover, acting up pay, things like that. Um, so, so all of these ideas, it's important that they exist. It's important that this criteria to assess the positions exist. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're not unnecessarily limiting 
representation power to those units and making sure people that want to be represented in the unit can. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, so. are, there are certain people that by statute absolutely should be excluded from being in a bargaining unit. Sure. There's no doubt about it. And mm -hmm. I don't think anybody in the Associated Firefighters has ever, um, um, you know, has, has ever said differently. But to the extent that there are individuals who by their actual job duties and responsibilities should be allowed to have the choice to organize or not, then that is what this bill seeks to clarify, as I understand it. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that goes into effect when? Isn't it June 1? It's June of 2022, yeah, exactly. somewhere in June yep. of 2022. Okay. Yep. So you still have some time to get with your uh, district vice president and see if that fits for you. Anything else on that, Chuck? No? Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Jump on in. Put the scotch down. Just uh, <laughs> no, uh, Steve and Jeff are right. Just just so that our members know that we've had we the AFI executive board, mostly the vice presidents, have had multiple meetings with uh, both Jerry and Margaret, and we're trying to strategize. We're not trying to limit locals, um, you know, wants and needs, but we have you know a list of locals, the low hanging fruit, if you right. will, that will probably be a little bit easier. And obviously we don't want to give away our, our tactics and yeah. strategies to the, to the other side. But, um, as Steve and Jeff mentioned, just contact your, your district vice president. Um, all five of them have been, you know, working hard, gathering, uh, various pieces of SOPs and, um, like the true realistic, this is what you right, do. Right, 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 right. So just know that your DVP is your first point of contact, I guess. And, and we are working diligently to yes. to strategize. We don't want a, at the end of the day, we don't want a local to be the, a bad case, have a, have yeah. a bad ruling. Because so it does have to go in front of, just so that everybody's aware, you know, if the employee, this has nothing to do with this house bill. This was previous to this. You know, the process is, is that if the employer, I'm going to say generally speaking, if the employer does object, it does go in front of an independent ALJ who uh, administrative law judge that, you know, looks at these things and there is uh, a strategy behind what you want to take or not take and getting, uh, starting off with good rulings versus maybe not so positive rulings. So there is a strategy to this, right? We're not just Correct. all good looks. Correct. There's a whole that's right. strategy. That's okay. right. Yeah. So that's the first year of the 102nd General Assembly. Which, by the way, I just want to stop for a second before we get into what's coming next year. <laughs> I think sometimes in my experience that members of the Associated Firefighters take for granted or not take for granted, I should say, just maybe get complacent a little bit of just the astonishing amount of work that is done by the ledge reps and for AFFI because that is an extraordinary amount of heavy lifting, the amount of legislation for us that came out of that General Assembly. And there are not a lot of bargaining units that I would argue that could match that amount of productivity. So not sustaining it because you two amazing people are in the room, but it is it is astonishing. Did, I mean, I would challenge anybody else to say that their representatives in Springfield uh, get that much done day in and day out. It's, it's extraordinary. I've always said it makes myself, Margaret, you know, the attorneys that routinely do this, man, is our job much easier because of the bills that are passed. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. Well, thanks, Jer. And it was a good year. We were happy with those results. 
I think it's important to remember, and I know I sound like a broken record because I say this on a regular basis, but most labor groups don't have their members in Springfield representing them. Firefighters and locomotive engineers are the two labor groups that represent themselves. So Jeff and I and Chuck and Richard could have come off shift yesterday and be in Springfield today talking about yes. an issue where other so people... So not a professional full-time lobbyist is what you're saying. You got it. Right. We're not professional or full-time. Right. <laughs> so, in any way, correct. In any way, shape, or form. I don't even have socks on because you wouldn't buy me any. I didn't. didn't. So that's the first year of the General Assembly, and as I'm sure everybody remembers, a General Assembly stretches two years. Right. So that was the 2021 year. Those are the bills that were signed into law in 2021. In 2022, we have some bills that we are in the process of drafting, which is a, for a real quick recap on how that works, oftentimes through convention action, a resolution will be passed that recommends the legislative committee enacts legislation to fix an issue that we're experiencing at the local level, whether it's a couple locals or something we're experiencing statewide. So we will take that concept, put it in into a draft form, right. go to the Capitol, meet with the LRB, the Legislative Review Bureau, and is that right? Legislative Review Bureau? Yep. Is it review or reference? No, it's review, right? Is it reference bureau? Or? Let's move on. Yeah. So, remember the professional thing? <laughs> Not wearing socks. <laughs> they're, they're the nice people at the LRB. They're helpful yeah. and they're very nice. Which is. Go see Bob. <laughs> right. It, and the LRB is the most amazingly sad place you've ever been in your whole life. It is. I've been in some sad joints, man, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> also accurate. Yes. So, so, this is a, a giant room with. 50 different cubicles and there's attorneys in like a three by three area that are just taking our ideas and helping us draft them in the law, making sure we're in the right section of the state statute or for adding a, a new section or new language, making sure we're put in the right spot, referencing and cross-referencing the same sections and subsections to ensure we're not undoing something unintentionally and, and it's, it's crazy, but wow. that's, that's the very beginning of the LRB and how that works. So from there, we identify a sponsor that will carry the bill for us. They file it, and then it gets assigned to a – the intent is that it gets assigned to a substantive committee, and then we, whoever's bill it is, would testify in committee about what that bill does. If we're successful in passing it out of committee, it goes to that chamber, whether the bill starts in the House or Senate – most time doesn't matter. We have to explain it to either 118 representatives or 59 senators. The intent is to get the majority of them to approve it or agree with us. And if that passes, then it moves over to the other chamber and the process starts all over. So now we have to, again, testify in committee explaining what the bill does, what the intent is, and then talking to either the 118 reps or yeah, 118 reps or 59 senators, getting the majority of them to approve it. And then it goes to the governor's desk for signature. So we're in the process right now of finalizing it with the LRB, identifying our sponsors, working with them to get them to to sponsor it, so we can get assigned to a substantive committee. You, you just do you remember? Does anybody old enough to remember Schoolhouse Rock when the bill makes its way through? Yep. When you were explaining that, I just pictured you singing that as. Maybe we could do like a, a spring associate firefighters production of Schoolhouse Rock. He's got a great voice. Je Jeff if and I sing that on a weekly tell. basis. Right. I would. It's glorious. <laughs> so I think you should. What? 
What is that? Tobacco? Chicken wing? Is that bone? Just so everybody understands, there's either a piece of tobacco or a chicken wing on the floor. We're not really sure what that is. Professional. $10. Anyway, I... $10, you swallow that. I would eat that for $10. I don't care. <laughs> I've eaten worse for less. <laughs> so, you know. By the way, you were out of the room. Uh, Steve is going to sing. Remember the schoolhouse rock of how a bill becomes yep. a bill? Yep. Steve's going to sing that at one of the spring get-togethers for the Associated Firefighters. I think yes. I know why we got second place now. <laughs> Second way, out of only two, by the way. way but whatever. Than California. I tried to start a Facebook fight with the entire California professional firefighters, but they didn't take a. They didn't bite on it. You're kidding. Yeah, they didn't bite on it. Huh. Yeah. I know he can dance. Yeah, they're probably too busy in their. You know. Oh no, we'll do jazz hands and everything, but you know, California probably busy with your shorts on at your San Diego firehouse that's facing the water and it's stunning with your tofu and kale. While men are and women are toiling away in the snow and mud of structure fires in northern in, in Illinois, the north. I should just stop. I'm just yeah, yeah. yeah you've pissed everyone off. Now. Yeah, Good I've pissed work. everybody off. It's just it's pure jealousy. Right now, while we are sitting here, we're about to get a foot of snow. And on Wednesday, there is some fireman in San Diego that's at the beach firehouse and shorts just looking out at the pacific ocean 100 percent, and it's pure jealousy on our part we're just Definitely. jealous of you california we're just jealous he's holding his first place trophy he's <laughs> he is holding us and he's facing east and just giving us the finger it's like yeah suck it illinois there you go all right so what do we got going for the next uh so a couple of bills that we're going to talk about that we're, in, again, in the process of introducing. The, some have bill numbers already. Some don't. Again, we're early in the process. Uh, one of them is House Bill 4395. This has been uh, termed the logo bill for those that have remembered. I, from, this has been years. In the, I want this to pass. <laughs> I want this bill to pass. What is this bill? So this is, again, like you said, Years in the making, this has been introduced a few times in a few different general assemblies. But the crux of it is that if you are a contract that works at a full-time municipality or fire district, you would have to put the contract's logo on your uniform and your apparatus Correct. that you respond on. Correct. So you are not us. It, it just identifies that, you know, there's different people responding on that same vehicle and... As we all know, there's different requirements to get hired, so they should know that there's different levels of professional services that are yeah. coming we, to... We talked about it when we went over House Bill 809, the uh, statewide hiring list. You know, there, there's a rigorous civil service process that we all go through to, to land in the positions that we're currently... And we're, and we're proud of that. You know, we're proud of our members. There we're proud be. of the process that we go through, so... Um, we don't think it's unreasonable for there to be a distinction, you know, that identifies uh, the, the yes. people that go through that process and the people that don't. Yeah, because when you look at the hiring requirements of what makes an associate firefighter's paramed firefighter paramedic and AFFI firefighter paramedic, there is a significant amount of training and expertise to make sure that when you call 911, somebody who knows what they're doing is showing up. So, yeah, well, there should be very proud of that as well. Another bill that has a number is House Bill 4630. This has to do with work comp in a strong presumption. So the issue here is that there's been, there's been instances and cases before where 
the employer identifies, well, you know, some, some random arbitrary scenario where maybe you didn't get this presumption on duty and that automatically in their mind wipes out the presumption and then the employee has to start from scratch to prove right. that it did happen. So this bill just reminds everybody that the presumption is on the employee had had already got it on duty right in the line of duty and you have to properly rebut that correct so you know I'll, I'll read some of the language it's long but the rebuttable presumption established under this subsection is intended to be a strong presumption supported by compelling policy considerations to con to compensate the victims and their families who succumb to the conditions described in this subsection this prescription is intended to I'm sorry this presumption is intended to shift the burden of proof to the employing entity and the party attacking the presumption must establish by clear and convincing evidence an independent and non-work related cause for the condition or disability listed in the subsection and it goes on but again it's just to reify or, or clarify that one random arbitrary pie in the sky accusation against the employee doesn't automatically eliminate yeah. the presumption I also really like that there's a legal standard in there Yep. Whenever you get to, whenever you've, in my opinion, when you've identified a legal standard, now you have something that you can hang your hat on one way or another. Exactly. Life is good. Yeah. Uh, another another one that we're continuing to fight for is the tier two cola fixes. So this is House Bill 171, and I, I think we've talked about this numerous times. It's been a few years for this too. Yep. Exactly. And just as a real quick reminder to everybody listening, every bill kind of takes multiple attempts in in the in the pension world in the benefit world and we in 2021 we had a new member conference and we had a new officer conference and we talked about this specific topic in great length so a lot of people have heard this already but it, the current tier one pension didn't look like it does when it was introduced right that was small bites at the apple over years and years and years to get it to where it is today. And that's our intent for tier two, to continue taking taking bites at it to get it improved as much as we can. Yeah, tier two looks as much like tier one as we possibly can make it. You got it. What else? Yeah, the next bill we got on, on the docket is Senate Bill 1571. That's our foreign fire insurance bill, uh, the 2% the bill. The cases that... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, I can't. Just been, is, what do you got? To, no, it's just the foreign fire tax has been total anarchy, and it's really awesome that this will be. I think it's another one that is, uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'll say it's embarrassing that we have to take this fight up for our membership since you would think that it would be, um, you know, just kind of understood in the part of certain employers. And by the way, a vast, vast, vast majority of employers are really wonderful and try to do the right thing. And we work collaboratively with and et cetera. It, it really is true. And, and most of them want to get it right. And I think that's why we work so well with them. But then sometimes things happen that create a need for the bill. So why don't we get into it and what it is? Yeah, uh, it's it's just addressing the specific needs and challenges that we've seen. Some two percent funds, uh, two percent local, two percent boards have to fight locally. Um, currently, you have to your the employer, the the local government body has to adopt an ordinance saying that they're going to participate in this one hundred plus year old program, and that they can set the rate 
uh, up to 2%. So that means they can set it anywhere less than 2%. Right. If they would prefer, they can set it at zero and not mm-hmm. participate at all, theoretically, right. of course. Um, but uh, it would also this bill would also give local aggrieved local boards the ability to have standing in court. Uh, and then this would reiterate the fact that local boards can control their own funds. They can receive their funds from the clearinghouse that is collecting them. They can manage their funds outside of the um, outside of the, the the rules that their finance or their employer uh, department uh, sets regarding purchasing policies and things like that. What is the source of the foreign? Not to get too deep into the weeds, but but I think there's a lot of people out there with foreign fire tax or two percent boards, whatever you call them. Where does that money come in from? That's that's a great question. A lot of people, given the title foreign fire insurance, it it, it does produce a lot of questions. Um, the Siberia. Ge- the, <laughs> the the genesis of it is that any insurance company that is domiciled outside of the state of Illinois, they're headquartered outside of the state of Illinois. Right. So not insurance companies like State Farm, located headquartered here in Illinois. Country, same thing. Uh, other than those insurance companies that are headquartered in Illinois, anyone that provides fire insurance within the borders of the state uh, have a additional 2% that they contribute to a fund that is then distributed to the fire protection agencies within the jurisdictions where they provide the, those dollars. Correct. Right. So Correct. that's it in a nutshell. Um, we are experiencing a little bit more traction than we have in the past. This go around, we're going to be uh, trying to move it out of committee this Wednesday at 2 PM, the Senate executive committee. For the foreign fire. So, correct. Awesome. Yeah. So, we're excited about that, and we're, we're hopeful that we'll be successful this time around. We also earlier talked about uh, Article 6 to Article 4 reciprocity. We talked about Article 3 to Article 4 reciprocity. Um, we're looking at adding uh, the Article 4 firefighter downstate firefighter pension funds to the Article 20, the uh, Reciprocal Retirement Systems Act. And what that would allow us to do is instead of having to go back and address each one of these reciprocal initiatives individually and open these smaller pockets of windows that anyone that has a previous job where they were contributing to a fund that is already included in this act and there's about a dozen or so um, unfortunately article three and article six are not current participants but if you were a state employee um sirs yeah yeah correct uh we wouldn't have to go back you would have that right to transfer that creditable service from your previous plan to your new plan okay that up to so many years or something like that? Um, so in order for you to be able to participate, all you have to do is an ad- adopt an article saying in your, so in this case it's Article 4, we're just adopting, we're putting a, a provision in there that says we're going to participate. So we're not changing anything about the Reciprocal Act. We're just merely saying that we now are one of, of the 13 or 14 funds that are in there. Correct. So... They are. I think IMRF is part of the Reciprocal Act. They are, correct. So those are some of the bills that were, the majority of the bills that we're looking to, to move in the second year of the 102nd General Assembly, which, you know, we're in the process of doing right now. When we get off this podcast, we're all heading back to Springfield to, to do exactly what, what we are intended to do here. So that's some exciting stuff. That's what we're highlighting for this year. I would like to just real quick go back and talk about a few of the bills that were signed into law in the 101st General Assembly. And then, obviously, we're going to transition to the political world because that's what we do as well. That's right. So heads up just for those listening at home. That's coming. 
But uh, so in the hundred and first, get ready to get pissed off. All right, and the hundred and first General Assembly, uh, there were six other bills that were signed into law. House Bill 2028, which has to do with line of duty death burial costs, that was doubled from I believe 10,000 to 20,000. The family would get. House Bill 2215, which we previously talked about today, is the labor history bill that has that included everybody, with the exception of Chicago. Now it's now everybody's included. You got it. Uh, House Bill 2502, that was an Article 6 to Article 4 reciprocity. So Chicago firefighters moving to downstate pension funds could... And that was about a six-month window for... I know people took advantage of that. Yep, yeah. exactly. You got it. Uh, House Bill 2854, which is uh, was the apprenticeship program. It, in essence, allows you to have some preference points on your hiring list if you have an apprenticeship program that's that and the key part to this was that was collectively bargained and identified in a in a labor agreement. Correct. So the chiefs can't just say, "Well, we have an apprenticeship program. We're give, giving all our nephews, you know, That's, twenty points." Right. Uh, Senate Bill Thirty Seven. We also talked about that was the secondary employment one, and then Senate Bill Thirteen Hundred, which was the pooling of assets, and a key part of that was the some of the tier two fixes, which had to do with the salary caps and and those being improved as well. So those are those are the six bills that were from the 101st. We have 12 bills, if you count that executive order, and the 100 and 102nd so far. Keep in mind, we're only halfway through that. So that's 18 bills that have been signed into law by the governor. For us. For us, for firefighters specifically, since he took office. So that, I think, is a good transition to... What does the next 12 months of elections look like? Who's up and where? So we are in a a unique every 10, not, I guess it's not super unique. Every 10 years it happens. It's not a surprise, but uh, we are in a redistricting year. So there's all new maps drawn that is uh, represented from the new and updated census that happens every 10 years. And because the census was delayed because of COVID, uh, that made the primaries kicked back from March to June 28th of 2022. So as such, the General Assembly will be shortened this year, more than likely. So we're going to have less time to move those bills that we just talked about, and we're going to have more time of that time to transition to the political aspect of things. We are currently in the petition gathering phase to get signatures to get our candidates and and incumbents that are supportive of us back on the ballot to run for re-election. All 118 state representatives are up. All 59 senators are up. This is a big year. And the governor's up. And and all five statewide positions are up as well. You got it. So right now we are, you're you're likely getting phone calls from your PECs asking if you can help gather signatures and and get petitions going around, whether it's your your firehouse or your your members, or if you're walking. Some, Some places are walking, some places aren't, but either way we need... You know, so many signatures, so many good valid signatures to to get back on the ballot. So that's the current process. Jeff, anything on on that? No, <clears throat> and I know we're we're going on two years now with with COVID. Um, when anytime you're you're going out and you're going door to door, you know, I would say more often than not, you're people aren't going to be super excited to come to the door and talk to you about you know their less excited stance. than they were before. Well. Yeah. That now you're just seeing they don't even come to the door. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of peek out the window. They see they don't know you, and yeah. they kind of go back you to doing the, their own thing. The so, and- um, so another thing to keep your eye out for is is there are 
kind of central, I wouldn't call them gatherings, but they're, they're, you'll see an invite or something like that on social media. You might get an email or a phone call where you can actually come if you're so inclined uh, and sign petitions at a central location to where it's more of an opt-in type program. So we would just encourage you, um, if you if you see those opportunities and you are able, we would encourage you guys to to take part in those those yes. type of those type of petition because signing the signature initiatives. Well, the signature requirements to get on the ballot did not change because of the global pandemic, correct? It kind of did. They reduced the number of signatures a little bit, so oh, did they? They, they made it slightly easier. But you still have to have you have signatures. To have so many. Yep. There. Okay. Yep. Okay. So wait. So June twenty eighth is the primary. And then what are the dates for the general elections? Has that been set yet or anything? No. Yeah, that's it's always the first that's Tuesday in first November. Tuesday, yeah. So yep. even for us in the state, first Tuesday in November. Okay. Yep. All right. So that has not been pushed back or Nope, that that's still on on schedule. But you know, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, the primary is the main focus right Correct. now. So uh, just a little recap on how how our endorsement process works, how all of that looks in the next few months for us. We, as a legislative committee, will sit down in March and go over every single race for that for the General Assembly and the five statewide office ones, and we'll determine, you know, based off of local relationships, locals reaching out to us, and there'll be an email coming out from uh, President Sullivan to all local presidents in the near future. I believe it's this month that uh, that says, hey, if you have a working relationship with your state rep or state senator, and you you know are encouraging or endorsing one of them, let us know. So we obviously factor that in. That takes a a high priority for us as well. We want to make sure we're not doing something that the local doesn't want us to do or doesn't agree with and and vetting all those reasons why. So that's the first part. And then once we have our established endorsement list for the primary, we will, you know, help however we can. We, again, some of this is a refresher from the last time we talked and Every time you hear us talk, we have 25 PEC members throughout the state. There's five AFFI districts, and there's roughly five PEC members per district that helps us with the campaign and the political world. So they'll get assigned top races, what we perceive to be top races in their geographic area, and they will help be a liaison between that campaign and the firefighters. So the campaign doesn't have to call all 10 locals in that area. The PEC member can be the single source that gets the information from the campaign. They can be the ones that call the locals and ask them, hey, can you come out on Saturday and and put in yard signs for two hours? It's like blue card, but for politics. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I don't want to lose people with the B word, but yeah. (laughs) You're not... (laughs) The the highly effective standard is blue card, but yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how that looks and where we're at right now and where we're going to be moving forward. I think it's imperative to keep in mind that none of those bills were signed by accident and none of those bills were signed by only one party. We are truly a bipartisan organization. It's in our constitution and bylaws since 1935. We represent the or we support those that support us. Period. Hard stop. We don't care if you have a D or an R or an I behind your name. We support people that have a proven record of supporting firefighters. But I guess I disagree. So what you're telling me, though, is that all 18 bills weren't passed just because we're heroes? Uh, Jeff is a hero, but we're not all heroes. I would concede that several of those bills were just passed solely because Jeff is a hero and is awesome. 
Because if Jeff asked me to sign something, I would sign. I would do that. That. <sighs> what? Uh, just so that everybody understands, like this. That was picked up on. So it's not. What is that thing? It's not tobacco. It's just paper. It's not a piece of you chicken. Should've, you should have ate it. It's actually a hairy piece of paper. <laughs> it's a, it is. That is so wrong. <laughs> like you're such a horrible person. Hmm. Doing that. If All you've right. never seen a hairy piece of paper before, I'm going to take a photo of it after this and put it out on Facebook for everybody to see. But there you go. I hope this doesn't get cut. I hope this stays in. No, I think people should realize what kind of person Luke really is. <laughs> so. <laughs> yep. So that's uh, that's that. Jeff, you have anything on? Did you see the hairy piece of paper, Jeff? Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> a little too close for comfort. So I thought I was coming here to do a legislative interview. Yeah. It's a uh, great name for a band, Hairy Piece of Paper. Uh, no, I think Steve did, did a great job summing that up. Uh, we really appreciate any support. And um, as Steve touched on, and you've heard us say at conferences and events, and when we were here last time, you know, there's a multitude of ways to get involved. Some are a little bit more forward, interactive with the public and things of that nature. There's plenty of ways that aren't, too. Yeah. So um, don't don't be intimidated. You know, we're never going to leave anybody high and dry if it's anyone's first time. You know, we're more than happy to... You know, just have you stand back and watch, go with you. We'll take you around, show you the ropes. That's no big deal. Um, but we're always appreciative of anyone that can can help out. Um, we talked about kind of the operation and how things go. We talked about a lot of the heavy lifts, the technical aspect of some bills. Steve went over, you know, the AFFI version of Schoolhouse Rock that you guys will hear him sing Who about he's gonna at sing in future in events. Correct, correct. Right. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't recognize some of our team members. We got Matt Campbell out of Downers Grove. He's our director of technical services. Tim Hunter, Joliet, director of governmental affairs. Drew Hansen, he's our director of health, safety, and education out of Arlington Heights and director of communications, Kurt Snow out of Streeter. Um, Is it cannibal? All of the, uh, all the support services that we require, whether it's, you know, raw data, for example, on the uh, Senate Bill 1571, the 2% bill, um, we just recently com- completed a project in which the, the that team, along with the analysts, Dan Clenworth, Mark Kohler, and Tony Peloso, um, digested over 150,000 rows of data. And each row contained, you know, hundreds of, of cells worth of information. Peloso and, had to be in his glory to do that. <laughs> you He's know what? all about. And all these guys are members of the fire service. They all do a great job. They're very passionate about not only their job that they do uh, within their communities, but that they do for the AFFI. And we appreciate all 15,000 of our members and their support uh, allowing us to bring these guys on board um, and to continue to do the great work that they do. So, Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Chuck, do we have any? Uh, you know what, real quick before we get to El the, Presidente. Yeah, if, well, consolidate. I don't know if you wanted to talk about uh, an update regarding the consolidation stuff. If you want to do that, we can do that in a minute. So while we're still on the political part, I, I think we have to, have to clarify and make sure everybody understands that every voluntary PAC dollar contribution that you make with your local stays in Illinois. I, I've heard, I, we all hear on a fairly regular basis some, some worries that it goes out to D.C. <sighs> and that it supports candidates that they don't right. align with in their private lives. America. We wholeheartedly stick to firefighter issues, and we have since 1935 for a reason. That's how we're able to pass the mo- number of bills that we just read off to you guys. And every dollar 
by law, not just because we think it's a good idea, stays in Illinois. We don't have a federal PAC. We can't contribute to a presidential race. We can't contribute to a congressional or U.S. Senate race. We keep every dollar here in Illinois that goes to state reps and state senators. So when you are debating at your local meeting if you should continue to stay into the AFI PAC or if you want to contribute additional funds or whatever the, co the conversation is, Keep in mind, A, that it stays in Illinois, and B, we would be more than happy to come out and give you, you know, real-world examples within your area, your state senators, your state reps, explain how we come across this process and, and why. So, again, that's imperative to keep in mind. And we also are very fortunate that not only do we represent ourselves in Springfield, but we also have a good amount of members that are running to continue to represent firefighters and the rest of their district yep. in Springfield and elsewhere. So I think everybody knows about uh, and village presidents and state senators and yeah, all so sorts of stuff. I, I think everybody knows about Senator Neil Anderson out of the Quad He's Cities legit. area. Yep. He is a uh, local 581 member and a crowd favorite when he talks at legislative conferences. Yes. Uh, we also have another state representative that's a local two member, Mike Kelly, is a is representing the House District 15. He was appointed in November, I believe, of 2021, 20, and is now a, a state representative that we see in Springfield. And he's helping to advocate for not only yeah. his district but our issues. And he's doing amazing, and we're excited to help him uh, with his reelection bid. We also have Greg Schwarzy, who is a DuPage County Board member in the sixth seat. He's from uh, Carroll Stream Local 3192. He's, again, an incumbent that is running for re-election. We also have three uh, Chicago Local 2 members that are aldermen. Uh, Anthony Napolitano, Jim Gardner, and Nick Spizzato are all you know, up for re-election next year, I believe. They're in odd years, yes. so 2023 for them. Uh, we have some, some new members running for various boards this year. We have Mike Flanagan out of Calumet City Local 621 running for Will County's uh, third board seat. We have uh, Chris Scroll, uh, who is Rockford, local 413's president, running in Winnebago County 15th district. And I'm excited to uh, report that we also have Eric Matson, the Joliet officer's president, local 2369. Legend. He's a legend. He is a legend, and I hope that helps him be successful in his Senate bid for uh, state Senate in the 43rd district. Yes. He has just the right tinge of total insanity to make it work. But he does it with a smile. <laughs> he does it with a smile. <laughs> yeah. He's a pleasure. <laughs> so you have a number of, of AFFI members running for a variety of positions in this upcoming election, and we strongly encourage our members to, if nothing else, help them, get them um, elected to the seat. One more point, I forgot, actually very sad circumstances, but Nick Stecker from Franklin Park, I think is president pro time at this point in Westchester. They you got lost it. Yep. their mayor. Their mayor was a, was a solid guy and he, he was sick and they lost him. It was very sad. And, and, and Nick stepped up and uh, actually Westchester just got a very good contract. They were good guys. So, uh, you know, Nick will do right by that. I don't know if he's going to run or whatever in the future, but he's, he's there now. So, yeah, but he, he's been an incumbent of Westchester's village board for village a while board. now and yeah. a Franklin park local 1526 member, Always, always advocating for our profession and, and just doing the right thing, yeah. a common sense approach. Another great guy. You got it. Awesome. Chuck, you want to Good talk guys. about the wonderful world of, uh, 
I think, well, let me, let me try to understand. I think there's 296 Article 4 pension funds and the 230-something have transferred monies over about $7 billion in assets and growing into the statewide consolidated fund. Do I have that? Is that right? You are correct. And more to follow this week? Yes, or? I believe February 2nd, there's going to be, there's 65 or 69 Article 4 funds that have not yet transferred. And on February 2nd and 3rd, uh, another 20 will transfer. So that'll be about 40 left. About 40 to, funds left. To transfer, right. Okay. So um, things are going as smoothly as they possibly can. Uh, as you mentioned, well, we have about $7 billion, with a B, dollars. Um, we're fortunate that we have Bill Atwood as an executive director and then four other uh, staff that have really been doing a tremendous amount of work, uh, you know, with Marquette and Northern Trust and Ernst & Young. And uh, each of our local pension funds have been very receptive um, for the most part. And, um, yeah, th things are really, really going well. Uh, I know a number of people are probably concerned about the litigation that is in Kane County right now. We hope to have a ruling. Yeah, it could be today. It could be in three weeks. I know his honor had said uh, certainly by, I think there was a date in mid-February he was hoping to have. He said as, at the latest he was right. hoping to have this, this issue in mid-February. So Right. So yes. there are, uh, initially it started as 14 pension funds and then an active member and an annuitant from each of those funds that were the plaintiffs. The, the pension funds have been dismissed. Correct, right. So now there are 28 individuals. Right. Um, and then as far as fire is concerned, there the Pleasant View fire, two individuals from Pleasant View that are firefighters, firefighter and a retired firefighter, right. and Maywood uh, has retired an annuity. Firefighter and, and retired firefighter. Active. Um, yes. So regardless of what the Kane County judge rules, um, it's going to end up in the Illinois Supreme Court. Uh, right. right. I mean, I, I think that's what people, I've had a lot of questions uh, over the last six months to eight months over this. I mean, regardless of how it comes out, and that's not to make light of, of his honor's ruling. I mean, they're good circuit court judges. We are very fortunate to have them, and they try to get it right, and they look at it, but there's an appeals process for a reason. So regardless, I think, of the ruling from his honor, it will be appealed from either side and make its way up. And, and I think for, for those, you know, everybody out there knows I, I do a ton of labor, but also a lot of pension, represent mm -hmm. a great many of Article Three and Article Four police and fire funds. And I think... What you're seeing out there is that people just want some finality to this one, you know, one way or another. So hopefully we get that ruling soon. It makes its way up. We've just, just from you know, your experience, let's just say that he rules um, on February 1st. What would be the timeline for a, like to get it to the Supreme Court? And they well, right, yeah. So remember, if if the if the law is found constitutional by his honor. It then goes to the appellate court, and then it goes to the Illinois Supreme Court, um, and then you know you have your your time to to appeal to the appellate court. And then there's briefing schedules and all you know the the whole thing, the docketing statements, getting everything in. So, you know the the ruling in the appellate court could take a a, a good amount of time as well. Um, and then you have your you know your PLA and your docketing statement and all of that stuff to get it in front of the Illinois Supreme Court. Um, and I'll get back to that in a second. If the statute is found unconstitutional, then it goes, you know, it's, it's monopoly, do not pass go, do not click, you know, 200 and go directly to the Illinois Supreme Court. Because it is the Illinois Supreme Court regarding these constitutional issues, if the statute's found unconstitutional, that they are going to sit there 
uh, and say, look, we're the biggest kids in the sandbox. We're going to give you the ruling here and, and let you know. So um, in a weird twist of fate, it's, it's it would probably get to the final ruling faster if his honor found that unconstitutional. I know right. that sounds weird. You know what I mean? But that, that's just a uh, civil procedure, right? Mm. Now, the justices, though, um, work under their own timeline. I think the appellate court and Supreme Court justices know the uh, importance of this case, uh, the numbers of members, uh, the dollar amounts involved, uh, what has been done. This is uh, certainly the biggest thing to come out of Article 3 and Article 4 since post-World War II, I would say. So they can actually set their own expedited schedules if they want. Uh, I would anticipate they would. You know, I mean, I think they they get it, but we'll see. Um, but, you know, I... I would say that we're going to have some legal finality to this, uh, certainly by the end of 2022. Is that, is that fair? That's being being conservative there. Sure. But yeah. Right. Okay. And again, just so we're clear, if it's found unconstitutional, we, when I say we, we're talking. The state the, of Illinois. The, the defendants are the state of Illinois, the governor himself, his, his name. Yes. Uh, the attorney general, the department of insurance, the Illinois finance authority, POPIF, which is the police fund, and IFPIF. Right would all then have the ability to take it immediately to the Supreme Court. To the Supreme Court, yeah. Okay. So we'll see. Any other update for the Consolidated Fund? I don't believe so. I Just um, before we close, I just want to remind the members that Jeff, Steve, and Richard um, are obviously doing a, a fantastic job, but also keep in mind that this, the second year of this General Assembly the first month of January was completely wiped out because of COVID. So there was about 15 or 18 days of work that are, is not going to happen. And they have a scheduled adjourn date of April 8th. Typically, it's May 31st because of the primary that Jeff and Steve mentioned. So there is a it's a very condensed schedule and um, not a lot of time to yeah. know, pass the typical for the AFFI, you know, handful of bills. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Um. I know I, was, I told you I was going to end with this, but the next time you do meet with uh, Governor Pritzker, can you ask him if he wants a pair of my socks with my face on it? I will. I'll, I'll have them on when I meet with him. And then you can and show. Then, right, I want you to like stand up, be like, Governor. I may just give him my pair. <laughs> right then and there. Sure. Just, is there somebody where I can put my shoes really quick and just give it to him and tell him I said hi and you're welcome? Also, I'm thinking of getting a table at one of the either the ledge conference or the convention where I can just sell my memorabilia, be like Jerry memorabilia. <laughs> Your wares, my wares. So okay. my face on. I want to really want to monetize my face, socks, keychains, bumper stickers. Luke will shake you down. The whole all. thing. Okay. So if anybody out there from the Associated Firefighters has that ability to create that for me, let's start a partnership and let's get that going. I want to want to monetize myself. So there you go. <laughs> Good stuff. What would I do with all of that unsold merchandise would be the question. Anything else, Chuck? Nothing? No? Thank you very much, everybody. And uh, I think this is a fantastic update of 2021 and what you're going to be seeing and we'll be reporting on late in 22. We will be back with another episode soon. Stay safe and warm out there. And, uh, you know, get vaccinated and boosted. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. See you. Thanks, Jerry.